right, here we are, week one of Balancing Act. And I know for many of you, this won't apply to your life. We're going to take the next few weeks and kind of talk about how to keep balance. I know most of you feel like everything is in balance and it's not chaotic and you don't need to hear this sermon, but no, actually all of us are, are dealing with that, right? Everything is unbalanced and chaotic and, and it's moving quickly. And so I want to just take a look at some of these truths of balance, um, you know, naturally, uh, in our natural world, we, we lose our balance on things. Uh, but I also believe spiritually that we can just lose our balance. The, the tagline in this, one of the things you read was, um, there's, a, there's like a struggle that we have. There's this balance we try to keep between what's urgent and then what's actually important. And the hard part with urgent is like urgent is usually the loudest. Like, oh my gosh, we got to keep up with that. It's urgent. We need it. And so we usually respond mostly to like the loudest and the most urgent. And we neglect like what's really the most important. Many of you, maybe it's New Year's, you look back at the last year and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe we didn't do this. It's because we did a whole bunch of like the chaotic and the urgent and we neglected the important. So we're going to try to look at balance, especially as we're, we're back to school and we're kind of getting into the groove of some new things. Like how do we keep balance to where the important is what is happening and the urgent gets a better priority? Are you with me? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, again, a lot like our natural world. Um, there's two types of people in this room today, um, and I'm not going to have you raise hands and admit which one you are, but when it comes to people tripping and falling and getting hurt, there's two kinds of people in here, and I can tell by some of your grins already. Some of you are the people that laugh at those things. Some of you, the other group, is the group that would rush to their side and ask them if they're okay and is everything all right. But some of you, uh, like losing balance and tripping and falling is sometimes a pretty comical thing. Are you with me? And you see people fall. But there's all these different ways in the real world that we lose our balance. Maybe for you, uh, you're at home and you're uh, you know, moving about the kitchen or whatever and the dog is under your feet. How many of animals? And then you trip because the dog is under your feet. And not only do you lose your balance, you lose your salvation because of the things you say when the dog does that. But the dog is one of them. Uh, maybe you have a dog. Our dog is a golden retriever. And when he was a puppy, he was one that would jump at you when you got home. And so he'd be so happy to see you and he would jump at you and you would lose balance. Uh, we were just on vacation last week and so spent a lot of family time together. And so I would be holding my two-year-old. We call her the baby. She's not really the baby, of course, anymore. But you're holding her. How many have ever been holding a, a bigger kid? And they, they, they'll quickly throw themselves for back and you're like, whoa. And then you lose your balance too. Maybe that's how you've lost your balance. Um, maybe you've hauled a trailer and it was unbalanced. You've felt the effect of too much weight on a trailer or it was unbalanced and then it causes your, your car or your truck to swerve all around. There's all these ways that we lose balance. Um, you miss a step, right? That's really what it is. Like you thought you had sure footing, but then you miss a step and you fall. And uh, we actually have a specialist in falling here today, the Zanstra family. I promised him I would embarrass them, uh, but I hung out with the Zanstra family this week. And uh, one of the, the daughters of the Zanstra family, um, she has the ability to fall upstairs. Some of you are like, oh, girl, I'm in the club, right? But uh, she, for whatever reason, has a whole history of uh, injuries that she's incurred while trying to go upstairs. <laughs> so she's got a new level of balancing act to learn. But uh, I told her I was going to embarrass her uh, this week, and I'm not a liar. So uh, she was telling me that the pastor of their previous church had to deal with their kids. Anytime their kids made it into the sermon, he would have to pay them $10. And the way I attack my family, I would be broke on a day like I, so I'm not setting up any of those deals, you know. The funniest ones for me uh, are when somebody falls because they were overrunning. They were running 
faster than their ability. <laughs> uh, drunk people do this. I don't have never seen it because I don't hang out with drunk people like you guys do. But you might have seen this before. I've only seen it on the internet. <laughs> but they get to run in too fast, and they run themselves into the ground. How I many know what I'm talking about? See, you know a lot of drunk people. But... But losing your balance is you once thought you had solid footing. You once thought you were in a sure place. And then because of miscalculation, you lost your balance and you fell. I think the same thing happens spiritually to our... To, we feel like we have sure footing. We feel like we make... Them, but because of miscalculation and we didn't quite pay perfect attention, you've then lost your balance and fallen. And so I want to take a look at, like, the next couple weeks, how do we make sure we're paying attention to the right things? How do we make sure that we have the right structures, the right systems, the right safeguards, the right sound doctrines that God has said, hey, live this way? Jesus said, I came to bring you life and bring it to you better. What did he, what did he come to say? He said, I've come to show you the way to live. And so when we look at all these truths, it's not self-help. It's instead living the way God designed us to live. And, and there's a balance that goes to that. And so this week, I actually want to talk about the unbalance of disunity or walking not in unity. Uh, the scripture, again, talks, and we'll go through it. I'm, I've got a lot of scripture to share with you. Uh, but the scripture has one really big message from the beginning to the end, and it's this. Walk in unity with one another. Be in togetherness. Don't fall for the, the unbalance of disunity and, and making sides and choosing sides and setting up divisions among one another. Walk in unity. We're going to get into some of it here, but I believe one of the big unbalances will be when disunity throws itself at you. Maybe how you know, the dog would jump on you or stumble you under your feet. It, that's a disunity, I believe, that, that comes in and trips us up is this idea of disunity. Uh, Jesus said uh, one of his, or his last earthly prayers, so check this out, I've given this example before, uh, one of Jesus' uh, Jesus's last earthly prayer was actually this in John chapter 17, we won't have you turn there, but John chapter 17, he says this, make them one, make them one. His last earthly prayer is like, look, I, I just really, my heart's desire here is make them one as I'm one with you, God. Make them one. Now, I've said it to you before like this. Uh, how many know whenever you leave, maybe you're leaving a babysitter or you're leaving a horse, uh, a horse sitter. I almost said horse sitter, uh, but that's what my parents, because I grew up around horses and we had this whole conversation. Dog sitter, we have dogs. But you're leaving the, the house sitter, whatever it is, you're leaving somebody's care. My, my bandit over there is going to get me in trouble. Uh, you're leaving, and you always say the most important thing last. So you're like, oh, here's the food, here's all the things, but, when, but right, before I leave, right before I leave, just don't forget this. And you say the really important thing last. We see that in Jesus before he's about to ascend to heaven. He's like, look, all of these things I've taught you, you know all these kind of things, but before I leave, i got to say this really important thing, which that's when he actually says, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. I've given you the Holy Spirit, and he's power, and he's going to fill you with power. And, and because he's saying that as a really important thing last, how many know we should value that as a really important thing in our life, the Holy Spirit? Everybody say, well, no, only that was only for the disciples. That was only for them. No, no, no. He's saying, look, I'm sending you this as I go. It's to your advantage that I go because I'm sending you the Holy Spirit because it's going to be such a great part of your life. Can I get an amen? <laughs> but at the same time, his prayer is make them one, make them one, make them one. Why? Because he understands there's so much power that comes with us being in unity. 
us being in oneness, us rejecting and resisting disunity and discord. Are you with me? So he says, make them one. Psalm 133, verse 1, probably a lot of us have heard this first part, but it says this, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Uh, I would encourage you, go read every single translation of this. Just hear it every single different way possible. But it says, how good and pleasant, one says perfect it is, when God's people live together in unity. But then it says this in verse 2, it is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar, on his robe. It as as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Here's the point I want you to hear. It says, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. What's the there? For the there, the there is when we live in unity with one another. For there, for when we're in unity with one another, when we as believers, when we're as the people of God, when we live in unity for one another, for there his blessing and life evermore gets bestowed upon us. When we're in unity, when we're walking in unity, when we care for more than just me, myself, and I, when we care for more than just my family and my thing and my agenda and my spiritual life and my devotion and my, when we care for more than just me, the scripture says heaven's blessing becomes bestowed upon us. Are you with me? Aren't you grateful that God has already given us everything in his son Christ and the work on the cross? If he's never done another thing, we already have more than enough. Are you with me? But even still, there's a work to be done here on the earth. And he's saying, if you if you put yourself in unity, if you walk in symphony with one another, it allows me to bless it. Unity matters. And unfortunately, in Christianity, I think we've built way too much of a, a personal gospel a self-help. I got my devotion, my worship playlist, my kind of, well, I'm not going to worship till he plays the right song, till they do it the right way. Me, 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 me. And oh no, it's good and perfect when we come in in unity. Are you with me? And God's blessing can be bestowed upon us. Joshua 24, we see uh, this incredible verse here. We know Joshua is such a great biblical leader and he's, he's led the people into the promised land. And I love what he lines up here in Joshua 24, verse 15. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Uh, I'm going to just jump down a little bit. And he goes on to say this. You've all heard it before. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He does say, as for me and my personal as for me and my, but then he says, the result of me and my, and my personal relationship with God is going to cause we. I'm happy you have your own devotional. I'm happy that you're taking care of yourself. You got your own goals and dreams and plans with God. That's important. But all of those should lead us into a bigger we movement. That's why the scripture says there's many members of the body, but we all make up one body. Are you with me? The body of Christ. So me and my and your personal devotion and your dreams and plans and callings and assignments, all that stuff is good. It's fine. But it still needs to lead us into a we, the unity, the balance of togetherness. Can I get an amen? Amen. God's calling us into this oneness. So as for we will serve the Lord. Uh, It's a little concerning to me, uh, the, the movement that has come through, especially a younger generation of I. 
You know, uh, everything, the language is all your comfort, your preference, your style, your, everything's customizable to your needs and your wants and your desires. You've heard me say it before, iPad, iPod, our, our mattresses are set up for how exactly you like it. You're getting your car and it remembers the things that you like and your, your, all of these settings are perfectly customized to just you. There's this language that's been made of like everything is about you. We can customize everything to be about you. It's even a little more concerning in the younger generation because they have this new language that they say, I'm going to live my own truth. I mean, you've heard that one. You just go out and you just do your own truth. you got to find your own truth. And so now they're just taking bits and pieces of anything. A little bit of this religion, a little bit of that religion, a little bit of this lecture, a little bit of that lecture, and they call it their own truth. I've never seen a more destructive idea than to say you need to develop your own truth. Are you with me? Why? Why is that something that the enemy is trying to present upon a generation? Because he understands that there's power if we can actually all get unified. Because the whole message of the gospel is this unity, unity, unity. We see in Moses. Moses is this great man of God, and, and God is going to uh, bless him, and, and, and there's this prayer that's going to happen. And he says before he does in Numbers uh, chapter 11, uh, he says this in verse 17. He said, I will come down and speak with you there. I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and put it on them. They shall share with the burden of the people so that you don't have to carry it alone. God's wanting to do a blessing. He's wanting to do a work in Moses. But before he does that, he says, look, this isn't just for you to handle and just for you to carry. He says, go get 70 other elders. We got to make this a we thing. Are you with me? Yeah. So even though Moses is walking right and leading right and, and right, uh, God still says, hey, we've got to make this thing a we thing. Why? One, so that you don't have to do it alone. But so too, that you have the power of community and more. And so this, this balance of unity, this balance of being in oneness with one another is something that you see all throughout Scripture. Uh, think about how we pray. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, it says this. This then is how you should pray. My Father in heaven, hallowed be... Oh, wait, no. The Lord's Prayer says what? Our Father. Every time we pray, it shouldn't be... Could you imagine if you woke up in the morning and you didn't pray, Hey, God, will you bless me God, for me, I, I, for mine, for me, for my. What if we got up and said, for our, our, and we, and for us, and, for, and we begin to pray for our community, and our people, and our country, and our leaders, and our nation. What if everything was a prayer about we, and lead us? So our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be their name. Our prayer pattern is literally designed for us to have the mindset of us and togetherness. Uh, I'm going to actually share with you, uh, kind of take it a little bit further in this series. The Lord literally gave us, heaven gave us a pattern of prayer called intercession, where we're able to pray for one another. There's literally a style of prayer given to us that is prayer that we use when we pray for others. Here's how much I want you to be praying and in oneness and in unity for another, that there is a type and a style of prayer that is literally you just praying on behalf of others. Why? Because he wants us to get this unity, this togetherness, this oneness thing really matters. I think we've botched it as a church, especially in America, because when I read this verse, James 5, 16, this seems like impossible to live out this scripture. James 5, 16, it says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. It says that healing, check this out, healing, our ability to be healed and walk in healing and seeing wholeness in our lives is connected to our ability to be in oneness with other people so much to the degree that we can actually confess our sins to one another. What would you do if you got a phone call this week that was like, hey, bro, hey, um, can you come over? I got some sins I want to confess to you. You'd be like, what? Right? How foreign is that? Isn't that sad that, that it's that foreign? That if somebody's like, look, I want healing to be a part of my life. Therefore, I want to come over and be in such unity and oneness with you that I feel comfortable enough and in oneness enough to come over and say, hey, here's some things. And then we pray for one another and we see God heal. Unfortunately, the reason it doesn't happen is because there's such disunity and such discord in the local church that if someone did come over and confess their sins to you, most of the time that would just get used against them. They'd be judged or it'd be held against them later, wouldn't it? And it's literally tied to our ability to be healed, the ability to confess to one another and be honest with one another. It's blocking healing, the fact that we haven't set up enough oneness among each other to be able to do these kind of things. There's a deep work that we got to do in ourselves to be able to get on the same page so that we can see God move in healing. Can I get an amen? All throughout the scripture, you see the great miracles and the great moves of God came through people walking in oneness and unity. Scripture says about Peter and John, it said they went up to the temple, then they used the word together, and along the way, they healed the lame man. They were doing ministry together. There's, listen, can I tell you this? There's not very many solo missions in the kingdom of God. We've created such a pastor-exalted culture where it's the, the big pastor and we make him into a logo and a brand and a dot-com and throughout the week there's pictures of him and we're doing all these things and we've made it all about the solo mission. It's doing a huge disservice to the oneness of the community of God, isn't it? And so... My caution in this is just there aren't a lot of solo missions. There's, there's personal devotion. There's, there's definitely, absolutely the personal devotion to God. But that should lead us into a oneness, us bringing our pieces together to build the kingdom. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Uh, it gets even more personal. Romans chapter 12, uh, it says this. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice. You're actually called into an re emotional relationship with people, with other believers. It's saying, look, here's how much I want you in oneness with one another. Here's how much I want you in unity with one another, that you should be so close and on the same page that even emotionally, when somebody is rejoicing, you're rejoicing. And then it goes on to say this, you mourn with those who mourn. You're so connected. You're so in oneness with somebody that when somebody goes through mourning, guess what we do? We mourn with them. We don't judge them. We don't push them aside. We can't say, oh, man, they're really going through some stuff. We better give them some space. No, we get in there and we get with them. Why? Because we're in oneness and unity with them. It's hard for us. I admitted this, I admitted this to first service. Uh, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. If those of you like the Enneagram test, we like the Enneagram test because Scripture has called us to walk in self-control. It's one of the things we're doing. And so that testing helps us learn traits about ourselves and work on self-control. And God empowers us. Are you with me? Sometimes we make that stuff way too spooky. You guys get all funny about that stuff. So the Enneagram says this about a seven, which is my personality. They like to avoid pain. We're adventurers. We like to be involved in things. We, some of my other sevens were like, amen, yes. Who likes pain anyway, right? Like, some of you are like, no, get back in your pain. <laughs> and that's actually what I'm about to preach. 
So me personally, I, I'm, I'm very like compassionate. Like I, you guys know me, like I'm a compassionate. But empathy where you sit in it, like you sit in it, that's hard for me. And so the avoiding pain part of the seven is like, I love a challenge. I'll take a mountain. We'll risk. We'll use our faith. But if we're going to like sit in things and talk about, I'm like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> we got to find another mountain to conquer. <laughs> but it's, it's something we need to develop, especially as Christians. Will you hear this truth today? God wants us in such oneness, not that we're emotional with each other, just for the sake of being emotional, but we're so close to each other. We're so in unity with one another that we can get in and rejoice when someone else is rejoicing and weep when somebody else is weeping. Why? Because our oneness is so the same. The translations, other of us say, get happy when others are happy. You're so connected that, that it just comes out of you when somebody else is walking in it. Can I get an amen? Yeah. John chapter 5 tells one of those weird Bible stories, which I find fascinating, but it's the story uh, of this pool. And uh, every so often, an angel would come and stir this pool, and the first one in the pool received healing. So blind people, lame people, uh, paralyzed people, they would be uh, outside this pool. And when the angel would come, if you were the first one, you would get healed, which right? Seems like weird and cruel in a way, but it's in the Bible, so we go with it. Um, but this is what's happening. So Jesus shows up to this guy who had had this issue for 38 years. I don't know how long he was trying to get into the pool, but I know for 38 years he's had this issue, and Jesus shows up to him and says, hey, um, do, do you desire to be healed? Do you want to be made whole? And he says, well, obviously, of course I, I do. That's why I'm here. That's why I got this thing. But he says back to Jesus, but I've had nobody here to help me in the pool. What was his disservice done to his life? He wasn't in unity. He wasn't doing life with anybody. He had nobody that he was close with and connected to that could help him make it to his miracle. So this whole day, about, no, I'm good. I'll watch online. I can take care of it. I got my own stuff. I do my own worship. I got all my own thing. Might cause you to miss your miracle. We got to be in oneness with one another. We got to be connected with one another. That's why Psalm 34 verse 3 says this, glorify the Lord with me. It's a call, glorify the Lord with me. And then it reiterates it. Let us exalt his name together, a togetherness, getting back together, being together, worshiping God, going after God, seeking his presence and his glory. Are you with me? We got to be together on this. Well, I like things on my own time and I like my own study. I get more out of it when I do my own stuff. Look, it's important for you to have your own self-discipline and discipleship and study, all of that stuff. I'm not, I'm not coming against. Don't, don't hear me wrong. But it's just as equally important for you to gather together with other saints. Are you with me? Yes. And be in togetherness and oneness. I'll say it to you like this. I love online church, and I'm so glad you're watching today, and, I, and I'm so happy that I get to be a part of your life this way. Uh, but online church, we've seen people are a part of this church today because through the pandemic, they've, they've watched online, and they've now rejoined us in person. I'm so grateful for the ministry of online church. However, I will say it like this. Online church is meant to be a supplement, not a substitute for the gathering together of saints. Are you with me? And so if we get into this pattern of, oh, I'll catch it online. Oh, I'll just, I'm going to do it online. But I, I do it better when I lead myself and this kind of stuff. You are doing yourself a huge disservice. Scripture saying, hey, let us come together and glorify the Lord. I just don't want to see a slippery slope happen through all of this uh, where, you know, hey, the less we come to church, the easier it gets not going to church. 
The less we're coming to church, the, the less we're communicating and connecting with our brother and sister who's God's calling us to be in oneness with. Amen. Uh, there's an old stat. It's not that old. It's actually still pretty applicable. Applicable. Uh, my wife's homeschooling this year, so I got to get all my stuff in order. I get rode up. <laughs> and so they say in church, 20% of the people do 80% of the work. It's the same old 20% of the people doing all the serving, doing all the giving, doing all the events, doing all the things. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And that statistic seems to roll out pretty, pretty accurately. And then you have about 80% of the people just attending, spectating, just sort of kind of following from the outside, not really skin in the game. And we have this idea of like, somebody else will handle it. Somebody else will take care. Well, I'm busy. They don't work as much as I do. If they worked as much as I did, they wouldn't serve like that. And we put all these reasons and excuses why it's okay for you to be in disunity and separated. Are you with me? And I just thought about it. It's like, you know, all of these agendas that are trying to get pushed into our country, all of these things that are trying to make their way into our schools and into our lifestyles and into our um, media and programming and all these kind of things. Uh, I bet they're not running a 2080 rule. Some of those agendas are probably a hundred percent in on what they're believing in and what their causes are. Are you with me? And so they're unified. Could you imagine if the church actually got into a 100% rule and we got so unified that we were all together in all things with all efforts, just like the New Testament church? Can I get an amen? Uh, there's one time in scripture, I think probably more, but I'm going to say one for today, where you are allowed to be selfish, where you can ask you. Uh, we see that Jesus is at the Last Supper. He's with the disciples and he's beginning to tell them uh, that one of them is going to betray him. So like, yeah, uh, there's going to come a time where one of you is going to betray me. And Jesus uh, is saying like, yeah, it's going to happen. And so what would normally happen among us is uh, we, we would start to do the church thing. We would start to go, oh, I bet it's going to be them. Oh, one's going to betray. Oh, we know it's going to be them. It's probably going to be them. Yeah, I bet it's. And we would start doing the whole scorecard judging thing, right? I bet it's them. I'll bet it's them. Instead, what the disciples do is from a very heartfelt place, they say, Lord, is it I? So it's a good spot for us to be selfish when, when the word is going forth and a sermon's being preached. We don't go, I bet it's them. And if we start doing dis, disunity thinking, being so disunified, I bet it's them, get them, get them, get them. Oh, they better hear this. You're sharing it on Facebook. This is good for someone to hear. Really in your mind, you're thinking of the... <laughs> Our response ought to be, is it I, Lord? Is, is, is this sermon for me? Is this worship moment for me? Is this something that I can absorb? Because it's important for us. Is it for me? It's not, not everything is for somebody else to be doing. That's the big problem with disunity. Somebody else will handle The pastor will take care of it. The church does a good job with that. Instead of saying, Lord, is it I for me to handle this? Can I mentor that person? Can I spend time with that people? Can I sow that seed? Are you with me? Lord, is it I? We see the New Testament church, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All together in one place. The rollout of this New Testament church gives us the example of all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Again, the oneness, the togetherness brought what? Brought a move and an advancement of God into their life. When they gather together on one page in one accord, instead of nitpicking and discord and all this kind of stuff, when they came together, it brought forth a move of God. 
our most frequent prayer, I believe, should be, Lord, unify us. Get up today and say, God, just make us one, just like Jesus prayed. Make us one with each other and with you. Show us the ways to get on the same page. Even the rapture is a great picture of how God desires for his people to be together. What does it say? It says in the rapture, the twinkling of eye, who's going to be caught up? All of us at once are going to go to meet him. Are you with me? And then what does it say when we get to heaven? We're all going to what? Dwell with him in eternity forever as one. I'll close with this. The world, in my opinion, is drawn to unity. In my opinion, I believe the world is drawn to unity. I, uh, I think about all the different times that we, uh, we get excited about things. Um, he's going to play nicely, and I actually got some jokes to say. So, um, No, you're good. Stay. How many of you guys love John Newman? Stay here. Uh, sports, like we love unity and, uh, we, we love going to like the big, you remember sports when we used to be able to get together and watch some, it's like sports, <laughs> but some of my best sports memories are like when you're together. And, uh, I remember we like two or three days before our marriage, it was kind of like the last hurrah for some of the guys. We went to the, the tigers because we were moving, not because my wife took away all the fun because she was actually at the game with me. So. So don't get it twisted, you judgers. Keep us in unity, bros. So you remember when the Tigers used to be good? And so at Comerica Park, they used to do this thing. Um, they would sell standing room only tickets. When they sold out the whole stadium, I love that you're just hanging out with me, by the way. This is the best. But uh, um, I need you to nod a lot. You know, like, um, who's the uh, David Letterman guy? Who is the Paul? Paul Shaver. Yeah, D- do that, do that, like when I'm saying things. And so... Um, and so, so, we, so they would sell standing room only, meaning all the seats in the ballpark were sold out. But like in the outfield wall, they would just line up people just standing. You couldn't even see the game. But, but why would people do it? Because we loved to be together to see these Tigers on the way to the playoffs. And so I remember one game, as I mentioned, it was the New York Yankees versus the Detroit Tigers. And uh, this is at the time when Maglio Ordonez was up for MVP, but he was closely up against Alex Rodriguez, A-Rod, for the Yankees, the Stankies. We hate the Yankees. So he's, he's on the Yankees, and this is MVP battle. Well, the game was for like 7 o'clock, and there was tons of rain. And so it was like this two-hour rain delay, two-and-a-half-hour rain delay. So don't start the game till like 10.30, 11 o'clock at night, which is awesome if you're a sports fan. Okay, we waited it out. And so the game starts. Well, it also goes into extra innings. And so the best part, no, you guys all say, oh, no, that's the best part, is we were part of sports history. And so like in my office, I think you could see it. Uh, I got a picture uh, of the game and the scoreboard, which has the actual time that the game got over. And it was like 3.29 in the morning. Is when the game finally got over. It was the best. But anyway, during the game, we were in such oneness that when Alex Rodriguez would get up for the Stankies and he was up for MVP, he's up there and the Yankee fans are chanting MVP. And we're chanting other things, but he's up there doing that. And then when Maglio would get up to hit, we're chanting MVP, MVP. And it was just this awesome sports memory. Uh, the game actually ended with Carlos Guillen hitting a walk-off home run to win it for the Tigers. It was one of those, you're hugging grown men you don't even know. I love you, Carlos Guillen. The worst part about the night was it's 3.30 in the morning in the middle of Detroit. And we had a hotel that we had to walk like two miles. So you get out of the stadium and it's like, we're not tough. We thought we were tough. <laughs> We were running like little girls. <laughs> and uh, that was that. That was that. And I have the time 
to waste, so I'm going to waste it. My other favorite memory of just large crowds in unity and oneness. We doing good, Paul? We good? Okay. And, uh, and uh, Jess and I, uh, I'm a huge Dave Matthews Band fan. I've been to like 43 shows. And he's a real musician, meaning they write their own music, they play their own instruments, and they perform their own instruments live. Not like none of this teeny bopper stuff you guys listen to. But their concerts are also three hours long with no breaks. So they just jam. So you got to imagine like 43 shows times three hours. I've heard a lot of their music, but one of my favorite memories comes from Chicago. Uh, he did a show at Wrigley Field. That's where the Cubs play. Sold it out, a fall night, stars in the sky, just the perfect night that you could go to. But we weren't able to go to the show until like last minute. We didn't think we'd make it. Still had the tickets. So uh, newly married, maybe three years married, uh, no kids yet. We just had a golden retriever and a yellow lab. So I said, we're going to Chicago. Like, let's just go. No joke, we got an air mattress. We threw it in the SUV. I couldn't find any hotels near the thing. I said, we're just going. We took the dogs, filled up the air mattress. So couldn't get a hotel the first night. Went to the show. It was amazing. It was a two-night show, so uh, another one the next day. And so we get to Chicago, and just outside of Chicago, many of you don't know this because you don't have a homeschool mom like I do, and uh, the Lake Michigan, many of you don't know this, Lake Michigan is actually on the other side is Illinois. So they have Lake Michigan too. Did you know that? So in Evanston, Illinois, this beautiful suburb area, uh, it's actually where Northwestern is. And so I said, hey, we'll go to the show. Who cares about the hotel? We'll fill up the air mattress. We'll just put it in the thing. So we drove around this really beautiful suburb area, and we were just looking. We found this really nice church, and uh, it was right by the lake in Evanston, Illinois. And so it was like, this is perfect. You see the lake. There's this beautiful church. And uh, it wasn't a Sunday. I was like, so we'll just sleep in this parking lot. You guys think it's ending bad. It does end bad. <laughs> and so no kids, just the dogs. They sleep in the front seat. We do the air mattress in the back thing. And so we wake up in the morning. We start to hear some noise. I'm like, oh, what's going on? Lord, just see what's happening in this parking lot. And so like, I sit up and I look out. No joke. It was like food bank Saturday. A line of people waiting in line to get food right outside our car. <laughs> I'm like, how do we leave this? How do we take the air mattress down? Like we, They thought we were camping out for food or something. I don't know, but dogs in the car like if we don't get food we're eating the dogs <laughs> but uh I have to save this at some point too back to something good where we cue you <laughs> but the best part of the weekend in the show and it made it to an album that I have and listen to frequently uh during the second show sold out crowd amazing night uh Dave comes out and, and starts a song and before he sings the lyric, the crowd starts the song. They play the entire song without Dave singing, and we sing the whole thing. It makes it on the album. You can hear the crowd on the album. The power of the Unity Night is my favorite memory of that show. <clears throat> How many of you have that experience? You've just been to something, and you're like, oh, it was so awesome. We were so together. I believe that's something that, the God, that God has actually wired into people, but for us to use as a church. Be drawn to this unity, this oneness, this togetherness, this love for one another, this at whatever it costs, we're not going to judge you and put you aside. Instead, we're going to embrace you and help you. Are you with me? This oneness is such a light unto the world. And so I believe that's something we have to do. We'll close now with this. Uh, so much so that God calls unity <clears throat> unstoppable. We see with the Tower of Babel, there's these people, they're building this tower, they say to heaven, and the scripture says that they were imperfect, they had perfect vision, and they spoke the same language, and the scripture says it like this in Genesis 11:6. the Lord said, 
If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Meaning nothing will stop them because they were in perfect vision, perfect unity, perfect oneness. Therefore, he had to separate them. That's where we got different languages. He had to break up their language here, cause disunity by their language. If ungodliness... God can call unstoppable when they're on the same page. How much more so would the body of Christ be unstoppable if we found oneness and unity? Can I get an amen? We need to fight and contend for and and go after the balance of being in unity. I'm not saying you hide truth. We have to stand up for some things and we have to call out some things more so than we ever have. But I think we can do it in a way that's calling people back into a unity of the kingdom of God. In his ways. Can I get an amen? Scripture says that a house divided cannot stand. One of the translations is it has no stability. When we're in disunity and we're always picking and fighting and, well, they came back to church too soon. Well, they should have stayed closed longer. Well, they should have brought out the coffee bar. (laughs) We're always picking about stuff. I had this thought this week. I was like, you know, attendance, Labor Day weekend, I don't know what it's going to be. You know, we should record, we should reward the, uh, the faithful holiday crowd. We should bring them back the coffee bar. One week only. Bring it back. Take it back away. We get all nitpicky in church. Well, they didn't do this. And I don't like how they did that. And I don't fit the mold. And I don't do the thing. And we say all the stuff. Disunity. It, I've said it before. Like, if you look for negative enough, you're going to find it. You spend your whole life looking at everything that's not perfect. And you're like, my life ain't perfect. Well, that's all you're looking for. Anyway. But Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Here's, again, the message of heaven saying, here's what I need to start with. Here's what I need to get working. Like, here, here's, here's how things get engaged. For where there are two, which means more than one, which means it moves from I to we. Are you with me? It moves from I to our. Where there are two or three or more gathered in my name, I'm in the midst of them. Unity togetherness. Notice it says it like this, where there are two or three are gathered, then it says together because you can actually gather to things and not be together. You show up to stuff all the time and not be in unity, but it says when you gather together, we've got to get togetherness right, the balance of togetherness, and uh, we'll see the blessing of God on our life. Amen.